Hello, everyone. Welcome to and Let's Be Heard for Thursday, February 24th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, you know, we were waiting for something to push COVID out of the news. And, well, we got it. You know, some of us kind of half-kiddingly joked around six months, a year ago, that all we needed was a good war. A good war and COVID would end. COVID would end. The politicians couldn't end COVID. Nature couldn't end COVID. But a good war could end COVID. And I think this war is now ending COVID. This war, this Russia-Ukraine thing going on, um, battle, has pushed COVID out of the news. I mean, it was all COVID all the time for nearly two years. Nearly two years was 80% COVID, let's say. The first year was 100% COVID. The last year has been 80% COVID. Now, maybe 10% COVID, 90% Russia, Ukraine. So this is, and as it escalates, COVID will be totally gone. And we'll only talk about Russia because, as you know, the news media can only talk about one thing at a time. That's it. They're only capable of talking about one thing at a time. And that one thing can go on for a year, two years, 10 years. Who knows? So... This is the new ratings getter. COVID doesn't get ratings anymore, not like it used to. And what's getting ratings now is Russia, Ukraine. So, hey, it's a small victory. It has pushed COVID out of the news. Unfortunately, now everything is Russia, Russia, Russia. Once again, Russia, Ukraine, all the networks like Fox and MSNBC, they're all getting all their usual anchors are getting pushed out. They get the day off because we have to go live to the Ukraine live. Live to the Ukraine. Let's talk to our correspondents in the eastern Ukraine, in the western Ukraine, in central Ukraine, in Kiev or Kiev. It was always spelled K-I-E-V to me. Isn't it K-I-E-V? Not, what's this K-Y-I-V? Anyway, wherever it is, that's where the correspondents are. Let's go to them 24-7 now. Let's push all the anchors. Let's push out the top-rate anchor in the world, Tucker Carlson out. We know he hates that because he thinks this is all bullshit, which it is. But this is the main, the amazing thing about the news media is they can only cover one thing at a time. They get obsessed with one thing. It's like obsessive compulsive disorder with a news item. And they get obsessed with one thing. They can't cover two things or, God forbid, four things at the same time. One thing has to be dominant in the news, and that's it. And after two years of COVID, now we're into, after, after what, three? It was about four years of Russia, right? Four years of Russia, 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 two years of COVID, COVID, COVID. And now we're going into Russia, Ukraine. So I guess I have to talk about it, don't I? I have to be like them. If you can't beat them, you got to join them. Well, I'll talk about it for a little bit. Then I'm going to get to my favorite villain, Justin Trudeau. Um, finally, for watching the coverage on Fox, and finally, after, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and days of coverage, there's like two minutes of sanity where they finally have someone on talking about how... This is all because that Vladimir Putin doesn't want Ukraine entering NATO and then NATO putting their weapons on Ukraine's border aimed at Russia. And when we say NATO, we mean the United States. So they, he doesn't want that. And I, anyone can understand that. Do we want our – once again, remember Cuba? Would, would we want our weapons in Mexico? Would, would we want Putin to put our weapons in Canada towards us? Of course not. Of course not. Now, would we invade Mexico? Would we invade Canada? I don't know. But, you know, that's, this is part of the whole thing. This is the, it's a big part of it. I don't think it's the whole thing. I'm not, a, I'm not a foreign policy expert. I kind of find, tell you the truth, foreign policy boring. I, I never really liked it. I live here. I live in this country. What happens in this country affects me 
directly. I know what happens in other parts of the world affect me, uh, affect me indirectly. Sometimes, you know, many separations, not just two or three separations, but there's some, of course it's important, but I, I've, just, I've just found it very boring and dull. I've never been able to get into it. Um, unless it's a major, unless we're being invaded, unless we are being invaded, I don't care. I don't care. I've actually asked for people to invade us in the past. No one's taken up my offer on it. But, or someone should invade Canada now, like maybe even us, but of course that's not going to happen. But I, I just can't get into it. And as Tucker Carlson has asked the question many times, why do I care? Why do I care? Tell me why I'm supposed to care. No one can answer it because we're not supposed to care. We don't care. It doesn't affect us. So it only affects our ego. It affects the ego of the United States when tough guy, you know, bare-chested horseman Vladimir Putin flexes his muscles. You know, it's like a bodybuilding contest. When the other guy flexes the muscles, the other guy gets generous, he's got to show his muscles are bigger. If they're not bigger, he's got to make them bigger so the next contest they can be bigger. This is the same thing. This is just an ego hit for the United States of America when Putin is showing how strong he is. And we have nowhere to invade right now, I guess. We have no other land to take over. Um, I guess we're out of options in a release for now. But, uh, yeah, so this is, you know, it's an ego thing. It's a machismo thing, machismo thing. Of course, there's no one more machismo than Hillary Clinton when it comes to this stuff. But, uh, you know, she would want to go to war directly with Russia. So what's Biden doing? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he weak? Is he strong? Is he doing all he can do? Is he not doing nearly enough? You know what? I think Biden's a weak person overall. And what is interesting, once again, I, I think Putin has very good reasons, very good reasons for doing what he's doing. But I think that he didn't do it. Well, I know he didn't do it when Trump was president. Now, when you listen to the news, you listen to the, the foreign policy experts, they say that Putin want, has wanted to do this for a very long time. But what's curious is he didn't do it during the four years of the Trump presidency, but a little over a year into Biden's presidency, and he's going for it. And he's making statements like, if you guys try anything, there'll be major consequences that you've never felt before. I, he didn't talk that way to Trump, and I don't believe he would. So if you believe, <clears throat> if you, let, let's, let's, let's play the I hate Putin game. Let's play I hate the Russia game, okay? Let's say I hate Putin, I hate Russia, I think he's a scumbag dictator, we got to stop him. He didn't do this during Trump, the Trump administration. Why? I'm guessing he was afraid of Trump, and probably for good reason, Right? I mean, Trump didn't just talk tough. He kind of was tough. And he was afraid and, 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 and unpredictable. He's much more unpredictable than Biden. So they don't know what, what, he'd have, what, what would he have done. Maybe he would have sent 100,000 troops there to fight. Maybe, you know, you never know. Maybe we sent a half million troops there to, to, to fight. And that's the last thing Putin would want is the United States putting the military there to fight the Russian military. That's not the battle he wants. So who knows? But he didn't do it. I don't know what his reasons were or weren't. I'm, I'm, I'm conjuring up hypotheticals here. I'm conjuring up hypotheticals. But I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he did not. He's always wanted to do it. You know, he's been thinking about doing it for a while now, and he didn't do it. He had four years on the Trump to do it. He never made any move at all. But now Biden's president, a year in, and here we go. So you have to believe that Putin thinks Biden's weak. Okay. In Putin's point of view, Trump is stronger than Biden. Putin is more afraid of Trump than Biden. There's no doubt about that. I don't think anyone can argue that. 
This is why this, you know, Trump is Putin's buddy and buddy, buddy, lovey, lovey, and Biden's so tough. Oh, yeah, I look into his eyes. I look into his soul. I'm tough. I went nose to nose with him. That's why you need to remember. That's what Biden said. You need to elect me because I've gone toe to toe with Vladimir Putin. Is he going toe to toe now? Well, Biden's full of shit. Biden's full of shit. You know, and the only reason I'm not going to totally crucify him on this is because I don't really care about this. I really don't. I don't. I mean, that would be my, if I were president, I'd say I really don't care. I don't care. I'm not afraid of Putin. I don't love him. I'm not afraid of him, but I don't really care. We have so much to work on here. We have so much to work on here. We have to get rid of the stench of authoritarianism here, the stench of dictatorship, the stench of fascism here, if I were, let's say, to take over after Joe Biden. That would be my point of view. We have to worry about homelessness here and crime. Oh my God, crime and homelessness. We have to worry about these things. This is what I care about. This is what I care about. Getting people back to work again, getting, you know, getting people over this obsessive compulsive disorder with COVID, this hypochondria, this fear of not only forget going to work or interacting with people, just taking their masks off. We need to get past that. So there's so much we need to work on here inflation, gas prices. Oh my God. You know? So that, that would be my point of view as president. I'm not afraid of the guy. I don't love the guy either. We're a strong country. They're a strong country. They got their deal. We got our deal. They have their problems. We have our problems. I want to deal with my problems here at home. We have a war going on at home on many fronts. The war at home on many fronts. So that's my take on the whole thing. Um, but, you know, if you think Biden's weak, you probably have a point. Or Putin certainly believes it. And I don't think Biden's doing anything particularly to, you know, to counter that. You know, I don't, I, this sanction thing is stupid. But what, what is this? They've, we've sanctioned so many different countries. We've sanctioned North Korea. We've sanctioned everybody. It doesn't matter. They still do what they want to do. The sanctions thing is garbage. It truly is garbage. It doesn't stop anyone from anything. I mean, Putin's got way too much power, way too much money to care about that stuff. So... And the proof is in the pudding. There have been sanctions. Germany, there have been sanctions. And there'll be further sanctions. It's not going to stop them. It's not going to stop them. It's just not. You know, he wants to make sure those weapons are not in Ukraine pointed at his country. That's what he wants to make sure of. And this will make sure of that, won't it? If he's successful, which he probably will be, I can't see why he wouldn't be. And they're already talking about it now, what we can do to, you know, maybe... Well, in the aftermath, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with it? No one's saying anything really tough about stopping him because you probably can't stop the guy. You can't stop him. He's strong and Ukraine is weak. There'll be a battle. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Ukraine, as someone, as Bill Hemmer stated on Fox yesterday, is the size of Texas. So it's not that small. and It's got a pretty decent-sized military and tough people. So it's not going to be an easy thing, depending on how much Putin wants to do there. You know, we don't know how far he's going to go. We don't know how far this is going to go. They're talking about casualties in the hundreds of thousands. I'd be shocked if that happened, but it's possible. But, you know, this whole idea of, once again, the United States can do what they want, but other countries can't do what the United States would do. That's basically what it comes down to all the time with us. If we want, if we want our nuclear weapons, we can have as many as we want. Another country wants 5% of the weapons we have, go get them, destroy them. You see, that's, that's, the, that's what's always bothered me here. It's this American dominance thing where we 
have a special pass. It's like the politicians who have a special pass to not wear masks when everyone else has to. The United States has a special pass that we can do things that other countries aren't allowed to do, right? We can have wep- nuclear weapons other countries know they can't have them. Our leaders are so, our leaders are so sane, so, so normal, so sane that we can have weapons that other countries know leaders are crazy. Come on, give me a break. Just look at what Biden's done over the last year. Look at Trudeau. Macron, come on, the guy in Australia, Austria, the craziest of the crazy, the sociopath of the sociopaths. So let's let's stop that stupid talk. And that's that's always bothered me. You know, we get the pass because we're the great United States. Well, then Russia's number two, right? Number three, United States, Russia, China, they can all basically do what they want to do, right? The three major world superpowers. Why shouldn't Russia and China be able to do everything the United States does? And then some. So, but watch out for the left. The left is freaky, and the left is crazy, and the left is nutty, and they'll just simply call you a Russia lover, whatever that means. I do love Russian food. I have Russian friends. Um, I have, uh, I love vodka. Don't drink it too much, but I like it. I don't know, does this make me a Russia lover? Love borscht? Love it. Love, what else? What else is it? I love Russian food. Love Russian cuisine. Um, so I don't know. But that's what the left will do. You know, if they disagree with them, they call you a Russia lover, domestic terrorist, insurrectionist, white supremacist, whatever. They have their, they have their litany, their, their bag of insults to try to stop the conversation. So that, that the left will always do that. The left right now is totally pro-war. I mean, the left is pro-fascism. Look at the left now. Look at what the left. Look at the left. Pro-fascism, anti-Russia, pro-fascism, pro-war. Crazy, right? These were the supposedly the, the pacifists, the anti-war people, the people, the, the people who you know, were, were the communists, right? The people in Hollywood who were against the, uh, the House Un-American Activities Committee. Now they'd be for that. It's, it's crazy. How crazy has the left gotten? How nutty and slutty has the left gotten? Isn't that what, uh, isn't that what Clarence Thomas said about – no, Biden said that. So who said that about Anita Hill? A little bit nutty, a little bit slutty. I forgot who said that. Someone said that about Anita Hill. But um, some asshole. Anyway, th- this is, look, this is going to be going on for a while now, so I guess we'll be talking about this more. We'll see what develops. But as of right now, this is the story. The news media cannot cover anything else. That's it. Over. Well, we're only covering it for the first half of the show, for the first 15 minutes. I'm going to be able to cover at least two things in 30 minutes. Look at how smart I am. Uh, Justin Trudeau, <laughs> speaking of weak leaders, speaking of weak, crazy leaders, after doing this whole emergency powers thing and, and squashing the truckers and putting people in jail with no bail and saying he's going to keep those emergency powers and the House saying he can keep them as long as he wants and he said it'd have to be at least two or three months, well, two or three days later, he gets rid of the emergency powers. He drops them. Now, why? He came out today and it was like a, a short tense, well, we've we've... we've We've we we've, we've, we've seen that there's no more there's no more threat. We we judge there's no more threat, so we're going to uh, end the emergency powers. In that effect, sinister effect voice he has, but we know what happened. Two things happened. The Senate. He knew he wouldn't get through the Senate. He knew the Canadian Senate would squash him, and he didn't want that embarrassment. And also the same thing that's happening. It's politics. Same thing that's happening here in the states. Polls. The polls show. He's a loser. The polls show Canadians hate him now. The polls show most of the Canadians are against the Emergency Powers Act. So, of course, he drops it. 
and says, no, we have information now. All of a sudden, in the last 72 hours, there's great information, great information, great intelligence that says that the opposition is squashed. We squashed the opposition. There are no more truckers. They can't organize anymore. They can't drive their trucks back here again. He's an idiot. This is, this, this is what we have as a world leader, a fascist, sociopathic idiot. Oh, we've, new intelligence tells us that they're... Oh, shut up. I like to punch his dumb nose down his dumb, stupid throat. That's what I like to do, Justin. Former boxer. Come on, tough guy. How about you and me, Justin, in a room together? No secret service, whatever you call them up there. No security guards. You and me. No weapons, just fists. Let's go at it, buddy. Come on. Come on. Tough guy. Ugh, that face. A face Anyway. So this is the new thing now. Now he's dropped the emergency. First of all, this emergency powers thing is idiotic. First of all, the guy can just bring it back. He could do it whenever he, obviously, he just did it. He can do it whenever he wants. This is the thing with, with like uh, Newsom. with a state of emergency. Okay, they they had originally dropped the state of emergency in New York, and Kathy Hochul just brought it back. So Newsom can drop the state of emergency and bring it back two days from now if he wants to. Uh, this whole thing is it's a game. It's a game. It's pro forma. What is it? So you drop the state of emergency, but you... Obviously, you brought it up. You, you made the state of emergency. You declared it whenever you want. You don't need anyone to vote on it. No judge stops you from doing it. So you can just drop it now and do it again next week or next month. These people can't be trusted. These people can't be trusted. Once again, our decision, our choices are just a few. Vote them out. Ignore them or leave. Vote them out. Ignore them or leave. That's it. Those are our choices here. We have tree choices, like you say, in Brooklyn tree. Vote them out, ignore them, leave. That's it. That's all. But something happened. It was the Senate and or polls, and Justin had to put his little tail between his leg and, uh, and drop the emergency powers for now anyway. That's, that's the deal there. And yet still, and yet still... These are nothing. These are just, this is all theater. This is all theater. He's still, he's still a fascist who squashed freedom of speech, people, people expressing themselves freely and openly and peacefully. He had no problem with the violence of summer of 2020. He had no problem marching with, with terrorists. He had no problem marching with murderers. They talked about, they, they lied and said all these, all these truckers had guns. Really? I wonder how... So the truckers had guns, yet there was no violence. No one was killed. No, no towns were burned down. I wonder how those BLM protesters... I wonder if they had weapons. Did they have weapons? Where did they shoot the police with? Bow and arrows? Where did they burn down cities with? You know, the hypocrisy is so disgusting, so revolting, that it's a, it's a, for anyone to, to approve of these people... When Biden has a 35% approval of Justin whatever, Trudeau, whatever he has in Canada, getting lower and lower, you wonder, how does, how, who, who are those one out of every three people? Who are those one out of every three people, even though it's a small minority, that like, that approve of this? That approve of this, Michigas? Who, who, who are they? Who are they? Are they human? Do they have eyes? Do they have ears? Do they have a heart, a soul, a brain? Do they? I don't think they do. I think we have a lot of soulless, brainless people in this country. 
in, in North America who have no clue what's going on around them. Just have no clue at all what these people are all about and what they're doing, what they've done. So that's the latest in Canada. We have the latest on the Russia-Ukraine front. Now let's go to, I can talk about Los Angeles. Let's go to Los Angeles. So I wake up today and I'm seeing all these, all these texts, all these tweets saying, whoa, LA, they're, they're bending. They're ending their mask mandate in a couple of days. They're ending their indoor mask mandate. Which would be no big deal to begin with, as everyone else has already. But then you look further. Look, the fine print. The devil's in the details. And they're not ending their indoor mask mandate. Babs Ferrara is not ending their indoor mask mandate. All she is doing is what San Francisco and many cities did months ago, which is if you've got a restaurant or a bar or a gym or an event where you have a vaccine passport system, where you know everyone's vaccination status, those people don't have to wear a mask. So in that uh, environment, in that very insulated environment of a restaurant, a bar, or a gym, where everyone's vaccine papers are on file or have been checked, those people don't have to wear masks. That's it. That's not ending any kind of indoor mask mandate. That means you go to you 90% of the places you go to that do not check vaccination status, like a Walgreens or a supermarket, you got to still have to wear a mall. You still have to wear masks. Okay? If you can't check everyone's vaccine, see, this is once again, this is the vaccine status fascism. This is, the, this is, only, this is actually making the vaccine status fascism more powerful. Because it's saying if you do that, if you check people's vaccine statuses, vaccination statuses, no one has to wear masks. So, in other words, we want the, the places that are checking them now to continue checking them, and maybe more places to check them. So all this is doing is increasing the vaccine fas- status va- fascism, the vaccine passport fascism. That's all this is doing. They think they're fooling you? Well, they are fooling some dumb schmucks, of course, but they're not fooling us. They can't fool us. They can't. It's impossible for them to fool us, and that, that really hurts them. That's why they have to come at us with, like, Emergency Powers Acts and calling us violent terrorists and domestic terrorists and, and insurrectionists and white supremacists because they can't fool us. And it, it kills them that they can't fool 100% of the people 100% of the time. That there's an ever-growing number of people who are waking up. There's an ever-growing number of people who are, who are waking up to this, to the reality that they've been taking it up the wazoo for two years without proper lubrication they're finally feeling it they're finally having that oh oh little pain oh wow what's been going on down there well they're finally coming to terms i don't want to get too old school howard stern with you not not howard stern now howard stern now is an old scared old shriveled up man at this point but no i'm talking what he used to be but no look this is what's happened people are waking up people are waking up and they can't stand it. They can't stand it. They really can't. So Babs Farrar is continuing her fascism in Los Angeles. You know, it's amazing. There are these cities that were like cesspools to begin with. I mean, really. I, I have friends that live in LA. I don't know how they do it. And, you know, they've explained to me, oh, we have a house. It's a more room. I don't know. It's, you know, it's sunny and warm and it's nice. You don't need a coat. You don't got a shovel. You don't slip on ice. They give me this, all these excuses for living there. And I go, oh, okay, I guess it sounds all right. But 
There's really no reason to live in a place like Los Angeles, and many people have always hated Los Angeles. Los Angeles has always been the butt end of jokes, like like New Jersey. Different reasons, but, you know, it's like, so these places that are cesspools, that had low quality of life to, be, to begin with, are just getting worse. Because these people that live there elect these people. These Democrats have made these places cesspools. They've turned them into cesspools. You can escape. You can go into the Hollywood Hills. You can go into the Oakland Hills. You can go into the hills of life and escape these places in any city and pretend it doesn't exist. But it does exist. All right? It does. And it's what 90% of the people have to deal with. If you're, one of the, if you're part of the 10% that doesn't have to deal with that because you can live in the heavenly hills of Oakland or Hollywood Hills then good for you. But let's not pretend your city isn't shit, because it is. There are places you can live in Chicago that are gorgeous. You can live right on the lake, the Magnificent Mile. Right? You can live right there. You can live in, what do they call it, the Gold Coast. You can live in a lot of nice areas in Chicago, but your city's shit. As a shit mayor, it has, it's crime-ridden. It's the most crime-ridden city in the world. So you can't, you can't pretend these things don't exist, Democrats. Because you live above it all. You can't. And so you're taking cities like L.A. And they've just gotten worse. Because the people you've elected have made it that way. You've elected people who've made it the cesspool that you have to live in now. You get the representation you deserve. It's an old cliche. It is absolutely true, though. It's one of the truest things in life. That you get the representation you deserve. You get the representation you deserve. And if you are the minority that vote against these people, I'm going to ask you a trivia question from earlier in the show. What are your three choices? I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, your three choices are to vote them out, to ignore them, or to leave. Vote them out. Put in people who will make your city better, who aren't fascists, who aren't power-hungry totalitarian authoritarians. I love big words. Uh, ignore them and just do your own thing. In other words, you got to wear masks? Don't wear masks. You got to show your vaccine papers? Don't show your vaccine papers. Don't, don't give money to places that ask you to show your vaccine papers. Use capitalism to change things. Use capitalism to make things better for once. Or leave. Leave. Go somewhere where you can enjoy life, where your quality of life can be better. You too can live a quality of life. I'm doing, I'm doing a, an ad for some uh, perfect place that doesn't exist. But there are better places. You can move to Texas, as many Californians have. You can move to Florida, like many New Yorkers have. Right? You can do that. You can move to South Carolina. You can move to Georgia until Stacey Abrams wins. And then you leave there. You see, this is the game you have to play unless you go to a very solid red state, which, you know, Florida's not. Georgia's not. Texas, that's dwindling, but not right now. Still pretty solidly red. Actually, maybe more red. Actually, these places could be more red. I, We'll see in November, but it looks like Georgia, Florida, and Texas, while they were the Democrats were making gains, they've lost all those gains. They've lost all those gains and then some over the last two years. 
So you have you do have choices. You have Tennessee, Nashville. Tennessee solidly red. Nashville. A lot of people are moving to Nashville. A lot of people are moving to Nashville. Look, I don't mean to be a, a, a you know a real estate agent here, but I'm just saying. Although I have a real estate agent friend in uh, South Florida who would love you to move down to South Florida, but there there are choices. There aren't that many, but there are a few. But you get the representation you deserve. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. And that's what's happening in, in a place like L.A. and here in San Francisco. I think I have to look at the map, but I think I'm pretty sure that there are only a few cities left that are doing the vaccine passports. Because Philly just dropped them, Boston just dropped them, Chicago's dropping them in a couple of days. I think it's New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. So it's basically, I think it's California and New York. The, good, the two that started, remember the started in San Francisco, spread to L.A. and New York. So the three places where it started, the original three, are three of the places that are keeping them now, where everyone else has dropped them. Once again, they start them the soonest, the earliest, and they're ending them, if they do end them, which I don't, I don't think, it may not happen, or not for a very long time anyway, the latest, which makes no sense. Because if you start something first, if it was so effective, you should be the first to drop it. You see, if you were the first to start vaccine mandates and masks, you should be the first to end them because they should have worked, right? If you started them first, shouldn't they have worked first? Shouldn't they have worked the most in your area where you started first? But no, this is the opposite. This is the upside down world we live in. Places that started them the first are keeping them. Places that started them a couple of months ago have dropped them already because they don't work. They don't work. If they work, they would have worked. Well, you have to give me credit. I spoke about the Ukraine for the first half of this show. So this was like a 50-50 Ukraine COVID deal. You know, this is something the mainstream media can't do. But on this show, with my intellect, I can do it anyway. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Mike Chopoli, and this has been And Let's Be Heard.